Welcome to Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Rebecca Mashaw from Gastroenterology Consultant. Today we'll be talking with Dr. Jonathan Stein, an Assistant Professor of Medicine and Public Health and the Research Director of the Liver Center at Pennsylvania State University's Milton S. Hershey Medical Center. Dr. Stein and colleagues at Penn State and the University of California at San Diego recently conducted a proof-of-concept study on the effects of exercise on patients with gut dysbiosis and non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, or NASH. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Stein. Your research article mentions that NAFLD, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, is now the most common type of liver disease worldwide. Why has NAFLD become so prevalent? Yeah, so Rebecca, that's that's a really, really great question. And, you know, over the past, uh, you know, decade or so, we've really seen an explosion uh, just in, in metabolic disease uh, really worldwide. And, you know, in fact, 30% of the, the world's population does have what we call a non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And, you know, this really parallels what we're seeing with uh, obesity and, you know, sedentary behavior, you know, as society becomes more advanced. And, you know, we consider non-alcoholic fatty liver disease to be the hepatic manifestation of the metabolic syndrome. So really, it's not a surprise with what we see from an obesity standpoint. But, you know, most of our patients are unaware of their diagnosis. They have a test for another reason. And then they're told they have fatty liver disease, and many patients won't develop symptoms for 20, 30, 40 years. So uh, oftentimes people go undiagnosed until they have end-stage liver disease, which is very problematic. You mentioned that gut dysbiosis is involved in causing NAFLD to progress to the more severe condition, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, or NASH. What's the mechanism behind this relationship between gut health and these liver diseases? Well, the, uh, the relationship between gut health and uh, liver disease has really you know, gained a lot of uh, attention over the past couple of years and does remain of great interest to physicians and, and scientists alike. And as you've mentioned, uh, NAFLD uh, is really one condition where gut health plays a, an important role. And we generally think uh, of NAFLD or, or the more severe type of NASH uh, developing in the setting of what we call a multi-hit hypothesis. And with this hypothesis, we see multiple factors uh, acting together on a person who is genetically predisposed to develop fatty liver disease. And well-known hits uh, or factors include hormones that come from adipose tissue, uh, insulin resistance, genetic and epigenetic factors, nutritional factors, physical inactivity, and the area of our recent research focus, uh, the gut microbiota. We see this gut-liver axis as this bidirectional relationship where the liver receives most of its blood flow from the intestines. And as a result, it's constantly exposed to the microbiota and its products. In exchange, in the other direction, the liver then supplies the GI tract with bile acids through the the biliary system. And the reason this is important, you know, each individual person, such as, you know, you or, or myself, has a very specific composition of their gut microbiota. Dysbiosis is what we define as a relative disturbance in this normal composition. And this can occur when there's a loss of beneficial microbiota, an increase in pathologic microbiota, or even a decrease just in the overall you know, variety. Dysbiosis contributes to NAFLD through many different mechanisms. Personally, I like to categorize these as either inflammatory uh, or metabolic. 
and some of the inflammatory changes are promoted by dysbiosis uh, through changes in expression of some of the tight junction proteins. And this leads to disruption of the gut barrier, what we call leaky gut. Leaky gut then allows for bacteria to translocate. We see production of endotoxins and ultimately increased production of endogenous ethanol within the body. So you take the combination of these two things that we see chronic inflammation in the liver cells and then activation of the macrophages, which ultimately lead to the development of NAPLD, the progression to NASH, and the development of liver fibrosis and potentially end-stage liver disease. Now, in addition to the inflammatory changes, we see some metabolic changes, and dysbiosis leads to increased energy extraction of dietary energy by the gut microbiota, and this leads you know, persons to gain weight. They develop increased adipose tissue. We also see greater triglyceride and fatty acid synthesis and, and decreased cholesterol export from the liver. We see changes in, in bile acid homeostasis and different you know, ways that the endocannabinoid system is modulated. And this leads further to obesity development. So really this, uh, this cycle that is very difficult to break and you know, dysbiosis plays a very complicated but very important role in the development of fatty liver disease as well as disease progression. This relationship between inflammation and gut dysbiosis with fatty liver disease brings up another question. Are people with inflammatory bowel disease more likely to develop NAFLD and NASH? Yeah, so that's a, a really good question. And, you know, there is some pathophysiologic uh, overlay between leaky gut and, and inflammation. And we know with fairly robust cross-sectional evidence that patients who do have inflammatory bowel disease and whether it's ulcerative colitis or, or Crohn's disease the, doesn't really matter. Um, but either way, this overall grouping of, of patients does have increased uh, prevalence rates of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And perhaps uh, some studies suggest they have increased prevalence rates of the more severe type with NASH. Your report also notes that previous studies have shown that exercise training can reverse gut dysbiosis in obese patients without liver disease and also that some animal models have indicated similar effects in subjects with NASH. Have you been able through your research to determine why exercise has this effect on gut health? Fortunately, at this point, uh, we have not been able to determine exactly you know, why exercise training you know, does have this benefit on, on gastrointestinal health. But what I would say is what we do know is that exercise training increases the diversity of the microbiome, um, it leads to greater abundance of the beneficial microbes, you know, if you will, and also has the potential to decrease some of the harmful microbes, which produce some of these pro-inflammatory substances that worsen that cascade I was talking about earlier. Various researchers have proposed different mechanisms to explain how exercise training leads to these favorable changes in the microbiota. These include a physiological increase in core body temperature during exercise, um, a reduction in intestinal blood flow, which may lead to more direct contact between the gut immune cells and the microbiome. Um, there also it has been postulated that an increase in bile acid circulation and that potentially production of lactic acid during exercise can lead to alterations in the pH of the gastrointestinal system. And all of these may lead to some of the benefit we see with the reversal of dysbiosis. What further research is required to clarify these interactions between the gut and the liver and to determine why exercise has this impact? 
I think at this point, uh, a lot of the physiological adaptation and, and change that we see with exercise is, is well described, but researchers haven't really examined uh, some of these physiological changes in the context of the, of the microbiome and whether or not uh, exercise training uh, will change the amount of, of leaky gut that we have or what clinically relevant events happen as a result of these physiological changes. So for example, does the reversal of, of dysbiosis in patients with NAFLD and NASH lead to events we can measure in the clinic? So does this correlate with reduction in fatty liver disease, you know, seen on a liver biopsy? Do we see resolution of, of NASH? Do we see improvement in liver fibrosis? Are there lower rates of major adverse cardiovascular events? Um, in particular, there are several bacteria that are implicated not only in the development of fatty liver disease, but also in the increased cardiovascular risk we see in this population. And then lastly, NAFLD patients have an increased risk of primary cancer. And certainly there's a role for, for dysbiosis and the microbiota and oncogenesis and cancer development. So can we then take this uh, study further into that field and examine that relationship and, and show a benefit? How do you think practicing gastroenterologists and hepatologists might be able to apply what you've learned so far to the day-to-day -day care for their patients who have fatty liver disease and may also have symptoms of gut dysbiosis? Yeah, this is really the, always the million-dollar question, Rebecca, with translational research. You know, how do we take it from the bench uh, you know, to the bedside and really enact change in our, in our clinic? this point in time, there's really, you know, so much investigation and study we need to do as a you know, scientific society to better understand the relationship between the microbiome and, and AFLD and NASH. However, I do see a potential for our research uh, to identify and open the door for new treatments that do target, you know, microbiome manipulation. You know, what I would say the main takeaway from our study is that we know that uh, exercise uh, training and lifestyle change uh, works for patients with NAFLD and NASH when they lose weight. Um, unfortunately, only 10% of our patients will achieve the recommended amount of weight loss. So one of the main findings from our study that's important is we saw improvement in fatty liver disease and dysbiosis independent of significant weight loss. Exercise training will lead to additional benefits. It does improve your fatty liver disease and improves the function of your blood vessels. And it may change the composition of the bacteria in your body. And ultimately we do see benefit even if you don't lose the weight. When you talk about exercise training, have you come to any conclusions about the type of exercise that has the biggest positive impact on patients with fatty liver disease and gut dysbiosis? Yeah, so the, the good news for our patients is, you know, really any exercise is good. And, you know, we, we tend to follow what the Department of Health and Human Services recommends which is 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity exercise, which would be the equivalent of a, a brisk walk. Or if they don't want to do the moderate intensity, they can do 75 minutes of, of vigorous exercise. And, you know, we do recommend a combination of, of aerobic exercise and then two additional strength training sessions. But people have looked at the different modalities. No specific type of exercise has been shown to be better or worse in terms of improving patients' uh, fatty liver disease. What's next for you and your own research in this subject area? Yeah, so I would say this is really just the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of our investigation of some of the benefits uh, of exercise. Um, yeah, we'll say our preliminary findings really further cemented the importance of using exercise as medicine in our patients with NAFLD and NASH. Uh, you know, we cannot forget about the importance of, of lifestyle change. 
you know, moving forward, we look only not to, you know, validate these preliminary proof of concept findings uh, with a large multi-center exercise-based trial uh, to confirm that exercise truly does reverse gut uh, dysbiosis. But we also want to answer some of those mechanistic questions that, that still loom related to the physiological change we see with exercise training. And we plan to measure leaky gut uh, as well as changes in gut pH, core body temperature, bile acid circulation and portal uh, blood, blood flow to the liver. And ideally we would like to still show some of the, the benefits uh, of exercise training independent of, of weight loss. Well, we look forward to hearing about the results of your further research at a later date. And we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Rebecca. Again, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you for having me.